Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan concludes our series, Renew Hope, with a sermon titled, Abiding in Christ. The scripture comes from Colossians 1, 11 through 20, and is read by Kurt Drennan. Today's reading comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, so that you may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Uh, we are going, we've been talking about renewing hope, and uh, it's been part of our pledge campaign. How do we renew hope, whether it's new hope or your own hope in your life? And so today will be kind of the conclusion of that, because next Sunday, it's Advent already. All right, so Christmas is right around the corner, and so today we're going to be talking about abiding in Christ, and, and Allie gave a good little introduction, uh, but we're going to go slightly a different route. Uh, she texted me yesterday, and was like, can you give me an idea of the theme of your sermon? I was like, well, I can't really interpret that to the kids, so <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the themes and stuff are a little too complicated, uh, but abiding in Christ, there's a lot of benefits to it, and what do we mean by that? But I first want to talk about uh, something that maybe a lot of you have seen in the last year, especially during the Super Bowl, there's commercials, during sports events, there's commercials of uh, this commercial that says, he gets us, right? And it's about Jesus, and it's kind of this ad campaign. And it's a campaign to kind of uh, show people that, uh, you know, Jesus gets us. It's not just a superficial thing, or... In some ways, people have talked about it as a PR move for the church to try and make things smooth over that. Maybe the church hasn't been the best at the representation of Christ in our world, but this is who Jesus is, and Jesus gets us. But I do think it's kind of a, it's a PR problem that makes it sound like we need to change how we look to those outside of the church walls, uh, but it means more it means more about the church than Christ. In my experience with people who aren't religious or uh, have a particular faith, there's always the thing they say is, I have no problem with Jesus, I have problem with the church. 
right? So this sometimes to me feels more like a PR move for the church because Jesus doesn't really need one, right? It's more of the church saying we've messed up in many different ways, but this is who Jesus is and who we try to be. But also sometimes it feels a little more trying to smooth things over rather than actually transforming things and changing how the church does treat people outside of the walls. So he gets us campaign. It's smoothing things over, not transformation. Now, the way we transform, though, is abiding in Christ. So what does this mean? We're going to start with a couple different words that start in the scripture that Kurt read for us today. Uh, And this is a a prayer that Paul is giving at the beginning of this letter. And uh, there's these three words at the beginning. It's endurance, patience, and joy. And so the endurance word, I'm going to give you some Greek here. Is that okay? I can't say the words, so don't worry about that, all right? I took Greek over like a decade ago, so I don't remember. All right, so that word right there <laughs> is the word where the endurance word was translated from. And what it means in the Greek is it's a conquering patience, the ability to deal triumphantly with anything that life can do to us. So it's an endurance of no matter what happens, we still have some kind of peace and patience with what the world is doing around us that we don't have control but we know that we are rooted and abiding in Christ and that things will ultimately be okay. The next one, trying to pronounce that one, uh, this is the the word in Greek for uh, patience that was um, uh, transcribed from as patience with people, the belief that a person's unloveliness will never alter God's love for them. So the patience it's talking about is pointing towards our patience with each other, our patience with people outside of the walls of the church, with our family, friends, co-workers. We all are thinking of somebody right now that we need patience for, right? We all have it, and sometimes, guess what, you may be the person somebody is asking God for patience for as well. So everybody experiences this in one way or another, but this is what it means to abide is into a genuine union with Christ, that you know that you're going to have endurance and patience and joy uh, no matter what happens in the world, and that comes from Christ. So it means we're working towards a new life, and the old has gone away. Christ is our source. If you think about Oh, hang on, I'll go back to that. Um, If you think about in John 15, Jesus talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? That in a vine, if you cut off the branches, they can't really survive on their own. They are taking the energy and power and um, patience and endurance from that vine. We are the branches. We draw from Christ's power, Christ's grace, patience, forgiveness, reconciliation, we pull from that so that we may continue to grow more like Christ each and every day. Now, if we go back to the abide, it, me- it means remain or stay steady, right? So that you stay in Christ, that you stay there. But also it has kind of this double meaning of not only that, but in our own lives, in our own faith, and things that are going on in the world, that we remain steady and we remain within Christ, So that nothing feels like it can shake us, right? Maybe that's one of the ways in which the church does need a PR move where we get so upset about certain things going on in the world. 
and we try and make people live by our rules and our ways of understanding of how the world works and the kingdom of God works. Instead, we should remain steady. We should remain in Christ, knowing that no matter what is going on, that Christ is always going to be with us. When we get all anxious about things, it's more about us feeling like we have lost control, that we want more control in what's going on in the world. And the church does that largely as well. So we need to remain in Christ. We need to stay steady in Christ. If we abide in Christ, when we rest in Christ, drawing from him, our lives open up to the kingdom of God. We start to live like we are patient and having endurance, knowing that all we go through here and now is never the end. So when we abide in Christ, we continue to grow and understand the kingdom of God and how it is in front of us here and now. I know that's a hard concept, right? That the kingdom of God is here and now. It's not yet, but already, right? The Bible's full of that fun, fun stuff, fun riddles. But once you abide in Christ and you're growing in Christ and knowing what Christ expects of us and that your heart becomes more like Christ, you start to see the kingdom of God here and now, how you can enact that in your own community, your own family, and with your own friends. Uh, Shannon, or not Shannon, Sharon Hod Miller uh, says this about abiding in Christ. She says, what each of us needs in place of the superficial virtue of niceness is a soul rooted in abiding in Christ. We need to be transformed so fully and completely that we actually are who we, uh, we present ourselves to be. We need to cultivate a fruit that instead of tasting worse than it looks, tastes even better than we could imagine. I think this goes back, if we think about the He Gets Us campaign or how the church is viewed by the world. Because I, I bet all of us, if we took a survey in here right now, all of us have been burned by church in one way or another, right? Whether it's a past church, maybe even here and other places that you bit into the fruit and it tasted way worse than what it looked, right? Because we as Christians uh, right now, sometimes we prefer the superficial rather than the transformational stuff of Christ. We like to look nice and we like to say the right things and look proper and everything, but really over here our hearts have not been transformed. It's just, I don't know if this is the right analogy, it's just makeup, right? Not the right analogy? Okay. All right. (laughs) It's, it's a facade, it's a mask, it's just covering up the stuff that we don't want to talk about, covering up the things that we won't, don't want to deal with. But the church should be authentic, because when we're authentic, that means we've been transformed. We've been transformed by Christ, because we're comfortable, we're content in who Christ has created us to be, both as individuals and a larger church. So it helps us to understand when we abide in Christ that we're not in control. We're dependent on God, we're dependent on others. That abiding in Christ means that I'm not the God of my life, but God is. And when we start living into that each and every day, it transforms our hearts so that we continue to live more like Christ. If we just put on the superficial version of it, of like, 
Jesus just tells me I have to be nice to people, right? That doesn't go very deep. It doesn't get you very far either. Especially when you go through trials and tribulations in life, when you go through pain, suffering, hurt, betrayal, loss, that superficialness never, never works. I know a while back, this was probably many years ago, um, I think it was probably fall of 2016, 2015, uh, Russ had a sermon series on half-truths, if you remember this. And it was all these sayings that Christians say that sound very nice, but they're kind of half-true, right? It needs to go a little bit further. It needs to go deeper. We have these sayings because it makes us feel better if we meet somebody who's suffering or in pain, but it doesn't actually do much. I want to borrow heavily here for a second from a, um, an article a friend sent me, and it's written by uh, Jeff Monroe, who's actually the vice president at the seminary I went to. Uh, he wrote an article about Frederick Buechner, who is a wonderful writer, a spiritual guide in the Christian world, and he talks about Buechner's um, exploration of pain in his own life and how pain, we could be good stewards of pain, right? We often don't think of stewardship in that way. We think of it in finances, money. But he talks about God gives us a lot of things that we could be good stewards of, and pain is one of those. And here's kind of what they meant. So in Matthew 25, Buechner talks about reframing the parable of the tenants as a vision of pain, as something that is entrusted to us, something we're stewards of? And what do we do with these mixed lives we are given, the hands that have been so unevenly dealt? Because some of us, right, some of us have experienced more pain in our lives than others. And we don't know why that is. We can't give an answer to that. But the pain we've been given is entrusted to us. In this parable, the tenants, there's a third servant. He, it's the play-it-safe servant, the one who buries his talents and receives the wrath of his master. So there's three different characters in the parable. Each receive a talent, and each are doing different things with it. And one of them decided, I'm going to go bury it. We'll go get it when it's time to get it back again and bring it back to Jesus uh, or the master. And so the... It gets, the master gets upset with him because all he has done is buried it. He hasn't used it. There's one tenant who used it and it came back tenfold. There's another one that just gave it away. But this one kept it and buried it. Jeff talks about in this article about how the night before his wedding, his fiance had a stroke. And the pain that that brought and the uneasiness and the not knowing what the future holds... Were they even going to get married anymore? Questions like that arose, and there was a lot of pain in that moment. He talks about how in his life, uh, even in that moment, he got the advice from somebody. He was breaking down in the hospital room, and somebody put their arm around him, and they said, pull yourself together. And so he did. He buried it. So he's talking about the tenants, and what Beekner is talking about is using the tenant as uh, an illustration for pain. So many of us bury our pain because we don't want to feel it. We want to keep that superficial, superficial idea that we're a Christian, so we should be happy. 
we should be joyful all the time. So when we bury it, that could be a good survival move, right? But it's, no, it's, it's not a long-term move that will help you. It'll actually hurt you in the long-term strategy. So he buried his talents, and Jeff Monroe said in this article, he says that instead of burying my pain, I began a lifelong process of facing it, owning it, and trying to do something redemptive with it. Now you see this in many ways in our world. If uh, you see people or parents for uh, maybe children that are lost, that they start a nonprofit in their name. They want to do something good in remembrance of that. They want to do something redemptive with that pain that they feel. We see that all over. That's one of the ways that we could transform our hearts so that we can see the pain in others and uh, help others and give compassion through that pain to show them a way forward rather than burying it. Can't bury it. It won't be buried forever. It'll come up at some point. And sometimes that's in horrific ways. At one point in my life, too, I felt like uh, burying my pain or emotions was the way to go. That was kind of the area I grew up in, a very hard-working, blue-collar uh, area, farm, farming towns. And so there's many times in my life when you're a kid and you're crying and you get that kind of pat on the back that says, kind of pull yourself together, right? So then that's the message I receive that now, like, we need to suppress these emotions. We need to bury it. Nobody wants to see it. And here's the thing with this article and with all these experiences is that church should actually be the place where you can authentically be in pain. That this could be a place that we can hold pain, we can hold joy, we can hold heartbreak all together because we've all experienced it. These are the things that unite us, actually. Pain, suffering, loss. Whereas we always try to think of the happy things that unite us as humans. But we have all experienced pain and loss in one way or another. So we know what each other is going through when somebody's going through pain. The redemptive piece of it, sometimes when you're in the midst of severe pain or loss, uh, you don't want to think about that, right? How many of you really want to think about how to redeem your own pain when you're in it? I don't see any hands. All right. I was thinking this week, uh, we weren't able to go back to um, where our families are in Iowa, so we had uh, Thanksgiving dinner with a family uh, that's actually from Iowa. It's my, uh, Michelle, my wife's uh, best friend from high school. Family she married into, one of them lives northern, north of Denver, so they're out here for it. So they invited us over and we went over and had Thanksgiving dinner. The dad, who we've known for a while, uh, shared with me that uh, his, his dog, Abby, of 10 years, passed away two weeks prior. And he was having a hard time with it. He was already a widower. His wife had died of cancer many years before. And now he lost his companion and best friend. Now, I've kind of gone through that this past year as well, when Cal passed away in July. And that was a moment where I could actually connect with somebody I know, but not deeply, and to understand and let him be known that he was hurt, that that pain is okay. And it changed the dynamics within the room, right? You could kind of see 
the family sitting there, and they kind of, they don't necessarily roll their eyes, but you can get that feeling of like, oh, here goes dad again, right? But to use that pain that I've had the last several months to help connect with somebody, to know, tell them they're not alone, that's a redemptive work of pain. You start seeing that more when you abide in Christ, when you become more authentically yourself, who Christ made you to be, and what you can feel even as a Christian. I've also had other people in uh, this community of faith reach out to me and uh, give me support and let me know I'm not alone in those feelings as well. It's one of the ways we do church together, that we're the community of faith together. When we abide in Christ, we'll want to transform our pain rather than transmit it. We've said that around here quite a bit as well, because it came from uh, Richard Rohr said, if we don't transform our pain, we'll transmit it. If we don't transform it and use it for good things, we're going to continue to use that pain to hurt others. Many of you probably know somebody whose pain is hurting others, that they've shut people out, that they're rude and rude to others because of the pain. So that continues to transmit it unless we deal with it and transform it ourselves. So to be, to abide in Christ is to be transformed, to transform that pain. The church, when it abides in Christ, it becomes more authentic. It gives room for the pain. It gives room for grief, the gratitude, joy, heartbreak, all the very, very different emotions that we humans can have. It can hold all of that. It doesn't just have to be a place of pure joy, but it can be a place that you come and sit. You can cry a little bit. You can work through some things. You could stop listening during the sermon and, and work on things in your head. Which some of you do, I can see. <laughs> and some of you are like Allie, where I'm, I'm so tired, I can't even stay awake. But this gets to be the place where we get to be authentically transformed by the Spirit of Christ. To abide in Christ means we shift to see pain as something entrusted to us for the sake of others. So, becoming a steward of one's pain is the key move in the process of transformation. And honestly, telling one's story is a first step. That's the first step in everything. When you get to tell your story to somebody else who needs to hear it, who will connect with it, to know they aren't alone. How many of you have ever heard a story that made you all of a sudden feel like, hey, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one that has felt that way. It's a powerful thing when that happens. So may we as a church be transformed to be able to show people that they are not alone in their pain. And may you pursue this transformation that happens when you abide in Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.